Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Open your Bible to Ezekiel 47. Scares me to death every time. Let me teach our people to do that. Cheer when you open your Bible. Title of today's message is There is More. There is more. I'll uh, forego an introduction. You'll hear a lot about me in this message because it's my testimony. This message is my testimony. Um, some other things that I won't mention. Uh, lead, uh, uh, just have the privilege to lead an amazing church in, right outside of Birmingham, Alabama called The Gathering Place. And my wife and I planted that church 12 years ago. We have five kids. Say, that's a lot. I know. I know. Believe me, I know. And they're getting more expensive. I've got an 18-year-old, a 16-year-old, a 15-year-old. And, uh, yeah, just pray for me. Extend a hand. Extend a hand and bless me, please. Goodness gracious. Uh, I've already had two automobile accidents. The insurance people are just, you know, goodness gracious. I just have to start riding a bike. Yeah. <laughs> Sacrifices you make for your children. But, yeah, we've got uh, Stevie and my wife, Stevie. Um, dear, dear friends, some of you know, know Stevie if you've been to Dawsonville. We're, we're really close to Todd and Karen, who will be here next week. You don't need to miss that, by the way. I know it's on a Monday and Tuesday, but you would be foolish not to carve out some time and come. You will be touched by God. As a matter of fact, it was one of the first times I was touched by God in a significant way was in Dawsonville, Georgia, out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, so I'll talk a little bit about that. But um, this message is kind of my testimony from 2017 onward. I was the pastor of, still am the pastor of the Gathering Place Church. It, up till 2017, uh, our church has experienced significant growth. Everything we prayed for was happening. It was just God's favor because we didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> we tried to mess it up. You know, for those of you that have been in church planting, you know, you just show up and pray a lot. And, uh, but we had a couple of people show up on the first Sunday, and then we grew by 100% for four straight years. We went from 200 to 400 to 800 to 1,600 in four years. And just experiencing the favor of the Lord. And, uh, and, and then uh, year 15, 16, and 17, God began to send some old people to our church. Praise God, because we were young and broke. <laughs> and uh, every time I saw somebody with gray hair walk in, I was like, thank you, Jesus. Somebody with some money, yeah, like, <laughs> praise God. Probably some spiritual maturity, yeah. Like, we, we, need, we, we, we need people of all ages, all diversity. Come on, somebody. I mean, the body of Christ should look different than just the person on the platform. And um, so we began to grow in maturity. We began to grow in diversity, and, uh, and God just granted us favor, gave us 40 acres. Uh, we raised a couple million dollars to build, and uh, everything was great. I thought everything was perfect. And then God spoke. And at the end of 2017, again, everything was better than it's ever been. God spoke to something to me in my, my season of praying and fasting, and he just gave me one phrase, and it was this phrase, there is more. And, and initially, I was like, I know. We got a couple of campuses, we got plans for a couple of more campuses, and we're going to keep building, and we're going to keep going, and we're going to keep reaching people for Jesus. I know there is more. We've got big plans, God. And he's like, no, I'm not talking about any of that stuff. I like that stuff, but that's not what I'm talking about. This phrase, 
was not for our organization. It was for me. He said, there is more of me for you if you're interested. I was like, wow, that's intriguing. And so he puts this invitation before me, and then over, this, over the next two years, he would guide me in a process, if you will, of getting to know him more and receiving the more of God. Um, now, again, at this time, our church was big, but one of the things that God showed me very quickly, he says, you got a big church, but you don't have a very deep church. You're a mile wide and about an inch deep. And that's why, Matt, you know, you're, you're, you're introducing these people to elementary things of faith. You've seen over 5,000 salvations, lots of people coming in the door, but they're not making progress in their journey. And they're immature, and they've got tons of problems that, honestly, you can't help them with, and your church can't help them with. So there's more for you, but there's also more for them. I want more for them, but I've got to start with you. And so he came after my heart, and he started pressing on some things. He started uh, to expose some things. It wasn't a comfortable two years. It wasn't like me and the Lord sat in my office and, hum, hum. You know, I wasn't just, just having a soaking moment every day with God. God was ripping things off. He was exposing things. He was tearing things. He was pruning. It was violent for two years. But looking back, I can honestly say this. It is the most productive and the most rewarding and the most fulfilling two years that I've ever had with the Lord. And so he tells me there is more. And uh, whenever I receive a prophetic word from God, when I, and I hope you understand what that means, I just think I hear God's voice in my head. Okay, that's a prophetic word. You know, I don't know if you know this, but you, you, you have three primary thoughts rolling around in your head at all times. The voice of God your voice, and the voice of the enemy. And your job is to take captive every thought and make sure it's God. Can I hear a better amen? amen. Because, listen, some of the thoughts in your head are you and your flesh, and, and I don't know if you know this or not, but some of your desires aren't godly. <laughs> and then there's just some, there's some evil thoughts. And I don't know if you've ever had a random evil thought about harming yourself or harming others. And you've had the, one of these thoughts, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm psychotic. I need help. I need to be locked up. Have you ever had one of those? Yeah, me too. All right, so you have one of those. Well, it, it's okay as long as you don't partner with it because that voice is the enemy. That's the devil. He's trying to get you to partner with thoughts and lead you in a direction that is not of the Lord. But, but there, are, there are times where God speaks, and the way that I line that up or make sure that that is the Lord is I ask the Lord to support that thought with Scripture. If the spoken word of God does not align with the written word of God, it's not God. So if I can't support, because I've had people come up to me and said, I, I heard God tell me that it's time to leave my husband. You only have a couple of biblical reasons for that to be justified. Well, no, it's just, it's not any of those, but the Lord did tell me I need to, that ain't God. All right? So, just because you hear a voice doesn't mean it's God. So, so God spoke, there is more. I said, take me to a passage of scripture that not only supports this, Lord, but shows me what you mean by this. I want to see a picture of what you mean 
by there is more. This is where God takes me to Ezekiel chapter 47. If you don't know the context here, because context is really important, what's going on here is God is speaking to a prophet named Ezekiel, uh, and he's giving him a vision. In the spirit or in the flesh, we don't know, but, but he's, he's speaking to Ezekiel by showing him a picture of something. A man, either an angel, spokesman for God, or God himself, Jesus, appears to him and starts showing him things. So in chapter 47, he shows Ezekiel a vision of a river. So let's take a look at it, and I want you to take note of all of the specifics as it pertains to that spoken word of God, which is there is more. Okay, so let's read it really quick. In my vision, Ezekiel talking here, the man... God brought me back to the entrance of the temple. There I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple and passing to the right of the altar on its south side. Very specific. The man brought me outside the wall through the north gateway and led me around the eastern entrance. There I could see water flowing out through the south side of the eastern gate. Measuring as he went, he took me down the stream. So we started at the beginning of the stream that began at the temple, and then we walked 1,750 feet, and he led me across at that point, and the water at this point of the river was ankle deep. He measured off another 1,750 feet, led me across again, and the water at this point was up to my knees. We went down river another 1,750 feet. At this point, it was up to my waist. I think you're getting the picture. And then he measured off another 1,750 feet, at this point in the river, it was too deep to walk across. It was deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk through. All right, let's pause there. So this man, spokesman of God, God himself, led the prophet to the starting point, which was the temple. The temple is symbolic of God, his presence. The starting point for the river is entering into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Salvation is the starting point. You don't get to get in the river unless you give your life to Jesus Christ. That's the starting point. That cannot be ignored. We, we must be people who proclaim the good news, who talk about the gospel, who share our testimony with others because nobody gets in the river without going through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, not a way, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And there's a lot of modern-day evangelicals that are teaching multiple ways to heaven. And that is deception. That is not God. That is false prophecy. And it leads people to believe they have something that they do not. So the starting point is the temple, which can only be accessed through Jesus Christ. But after one is saved, hear me, there is a journey that begins. Salvation is not the end all. We don't get saved and then just wait on Jesus to come back or for us to meet Jesus. This is, this is the game plan that a lot of Christians have. I've got my golden ticket, my get out of hell free card. Now I'm just going to continue living life as I did before. No. Once you meet Jesus, the journey begins. Life begins. Life unlike you've ever experienced before begins with Jesus. So this vision is an old covenant prophecy of what would be offered through Jesus Christ. Salvation, 
that launches you into a journey that starts ankle deep but does not end there. It starts shallow, yes, but it does not stop there. I think it's important that we be people and we be churches that allow people to be in shallow water. You know, I coach a lot of pastors. That's kind of one of the primary things that I'm doing in this season of life. And I coach a lot of charismatic pastors who will say things like, well, we're just a, we're just a deep river church. We're a deep water church. That's all we do. If it's not deep, then we don't do it. Well, here's the problem with that. You're not going to have any infants. You're going to have a lot of people coming from other churches to get more, but you're not going to have people coming in and beginning their journey. We want to be a church that offers shallow entry points for people to discover the person of Jesus, to learn the person of Jesus, to be discipled. And as a child grows and matures, we help every believer go from ankle to knee to waist to swimming with God. This is what we're to do. But usually there's only two ends of the spectrum. Ankle deep churches and swimming churches. And there's nothing in the middle. Or there's nothing that offers all. So this river starts shallow, progressively gets deeper. And what God is doing here is he's showing Ezekiel and he's showing us because he knew that we would read this. This is my intent for all, to, all believers. I want you to start then then I want you to be launched into this journey of more and more and more and more. Is there anybody in southern Illinois that wants more of God today? Anybody? I hope so. Because I'm here to tell you that you don't need more of the world. You don't need more money. You don't need more stuff. I'm telling you what your heart longs for at its core because you were created by him is more of God himself. This is God's solution to every problem in life. Every problem in life can be solved with more of God in your life. And often we seek the Lord for blessings. We seek the Lord for promises. And in 2017, God said to me, quit seeking my hand, start seeking my face. Come after my face. I want to show you four things that God told me to do in order to get more. Now, before I give you the four things, this is not four points. This is not, a, this is not an equation. God's not an equation. Can I hear a good amen? He's very personable. So these four things may not be your four things, but they were my four things, and I think they might be helpful. But God showed me it's not just praying more. It's actually praying the right way and praying the right things. It's not just obedience, it's a special type of obedience. It's, it's not just this, it's actually this. He showed me, like Jesus would often say, you have heard it said, the following, but I'm here to tell you it's actually this. So God gave me specific revelation about how to go from where I was in the river to a deeper place, but also how to take an entire congregation with me. But God knew I had to do it first. So I'm going to give you those four things, but I need to convince you that this is worth pursuing. Because I'm telling you, once you get to the four steps, you're going to think to yourself, "Woo!" Everybody say, "Woo!" Yeah. When we get to the four steps, I'm, I'm going to, 
they're, yeah, they're hard. <laughs> and they're going to press up against you. And so if, if you don't already have it in your mind that regardless of how hard it's going to get, I'm coming after God, you won't do it. You'll give up. You'll stay in the shallow end of the pool and just wait for Jesus to come back. And that is a horrible way to live. So you've, you, I need to convince you, and specifically the person on your right, not you, but the person on your right. I'm real concerned about them. I see it in their eyes. They're like, what's this guy talking about? This redneck from Alabama coming up here, pushing on me. Everybody say roll tide. Yeah. I'm an Auburn fan, so I live in constant disappointment. Yeah. I got to convince you that this is worth your time. This is worth your effort. This is worth your sacrifice. I got to convince you, not that it's worth it, but that he's worth it. But I got to do a little work. So, let's go back to the text. He asked me, have you been watching? Have you been listening? Look at the person on your right and say, are you listening? Yeah, I'm worried about him. Have you been watching, son of man? And look at this. Then he took me all the way back to the beginning. We went back to the beginning of the river, and when I returned, I was surprised to see the sight of what was around the river. At first, I was looking at the river, but now I'm noticing what's around the river. There were trees growing on both sides of the river. And he said, hey, this river flows through the east, through the desert, into the valley of the Dead Sea. The waters of this stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. There will be swarms of living things Wherever the water of this river flow, fish will abound in the Dead Sea, which is scientifically impossible. But he says, when the river comes in to even the deadest of seas on the face of the planet, it changes the environment. If you write, it, if you write in your Bible, underline this phrase. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. Life will flourish Wherever this water flows, wherever this river progresses, wherever you find a person that is in the river of God, you will find life flourishing around them. We want our life to flourish. We talk to God about this all the time. We want our marriage to flourish. We want our kids to flourish. We want what's best for our family. We want our city to flourish. Well, guess what? Here's the solution to life flourishing. You and churches getting in the river with God, and going deeper. How many of you are disappointed by the things that you see on the news, the things that you hear about? You, you, you watch and you're like, oh my goodness, this world is getting darker. This world is going to hell. What is going on? Why is life not flourishing? Solution? Because we have a lot of Christians splashing around in ankle-deep water. And the world is seeing a bunch of adults play in the kiddie pool and they're not impressed. They look at Christians and they think, man, you got the same problems that I do. Your marriage is falling apart. Your children are just like mine. Matter of fact, the only difference between you and me is you go to church for an hour on Sunday or an hour and a half. It's the only difference. Now, I'm not necessarily speaking of this church, but as a whole, that's what the American church looks like. A bunch of adults splashing around in religious water and the world is not impressed. 
That's why they're not here today. That's why they're at the lake. That's why they're playing golf. That's why they're training their dogs today. That's why they're flying kites. That's why they're not in this room because we have not yet shown them what a flourishing life looks like. And the reason that we haven't shown it to them is because we haven't taken the initiative to go downriver. We have to take the initiative. Most people are waiting on God to drag them into the water and to pull them downriver. But that is not the God that we serve. He gives you an invitation and then he says, come. Come. Taste and see that I am good. Come. So this is the journey that God has and the result of it is life flourishing everywhere. Continue reading. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow along both sides of the river. The leaves of these trees will never turn brown and fall. And what he's talking about here is trees go through seasons. Most trees. If it's not an evergreen, it's going to bud in the spring. Leaves are going to come out in the fall. They're going to brown and wither and drop. And then you start the process all over again every single year. Yes, does this make sense? This is the journey for most Christians. I have seasons where I bear fruit and do pretty good, but it never fails. Some point in the year, I'm going to take a dive, I'm going to drop my leaves, and then i got to start over again. So I'm not progressively going on a journey. I'm just repeating the same part of the journey over and over and over again. He says, it won't be like this with you. You won't be like that tree that has to start over. You will be the tree that bears fruit in every season, say every season, in every season, a new crop every month. Why? Because they are watered by the river flowing from the temple. Oh! When you're in the river, the river will affect you. Whatever environment you place yourself in, that environment is going to affect the fruit that you bear. You put yourself around a bunch of people that don't care about God and love the world, guess what? That's the fruit that you're going to bear. You show me your friends, I'll show you your future. But if you saturate yourself in the river of God, you find you a place that's going down river, you place yourself under the authority and the discipleship of somebody that is on fire, that is on their face more than they're on their feet. You'll start to see fruit in your life. Most of us, if not all of us, are a product of the environments that we place ourselves in. You put yourself in the right environment, you put yourself in this river, and you go down river with God, there will, the fruit is not only going to be good for food. Everybody say, yum, yum, yum. Ask yeah, it much time, I know. Not only is it going to taste good, not only are you going to enjoy this journey, but the food and the leaves will be beneficial for healing. You're going to experience healing and people in your life are going to experience healing when you make the decision to go downriver with God. Come on, somebody. This is what the world is looking for. This is what you're looking for. It's not apathetic religion. It's not checking off boxes every single week, thinking that we're gaining favor with God because we're coming to church. 
Do you know that God actually looks what you do, looks more closely at your life outside of church than he does your life in church? Anybody can behave in here. Nobody has cussed this morning that I know of. (laughs) Don't hear me say that that's the measure of all immorality. But I'm just saying it doesn't take a lot of effort to be on your best behavior right here. So, so God, God says, you know, I actually look at what you do in private more than I look at what you do in public. This is the life that God has for you. So we made this decision. I made this decision in 2017. All right, I'm going to go after you. I'm going to go after you, unlike I ever have before. And then our church made the decision to follow suit. And since that time, here's what's happened. I was so sick of being a pastor and a person of faith that lacked power. I was tired of praying for people and nothing happened. But all of a sudden, when I made the decision to go downriver with God, all of a sudden we started praying for people, not just me, but others, and stuff started happening. The first major miracle was a guy got healed of Parkinson's disease. You don't get healed of Parkinson's disease. There is no cure. A former Methodist pastor, retired Methodist pastor, came to our church because he heard we were praying for people. Came down on a Sunday. We laid hands on him. He did not fall. He did not shake. He did not pass out. He didn't do any of those things. Not that those things are wrong. He just stood there and said, well, thank you. See y'all later. Like, adios. May May the Lord be with you. Two weeks later, he calls and he says, I just had a doctor's appointment. My, my hands aren't shaking. All of my Parkinson's systems are gone. And the doctor told me I'm in remission. I said, can you go in remission for Parkinson's disease? He says, no, not really. But it made the doctor feel more comfortable. Especially after I told him I went to church and all of this happened after I got prayer. I said, well, come on, Jesus. He's still Parkinson's free today. One of the second major miracles is we had an encounter night with Pastor Todd. Pastor Todd came over, and um, the first major service, we, at, at some point I had to give my, I know this sounds ridiculous, but at some point I had to give my church to the Lord. He said, are you going to give me this thing or not? I said, okay, I'll do it. He said, I, I said, what do you want me to do? He said, have an event called Encounter and invite this guy and this guy. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Because my people weren't in this. My people were not charismatic. My people were not Pentecostal. My people were Methodist. The most charismatic we got was one of these. Maybe up here. So Pastor Todd comes, Pastor Karen, Pastor Marty from Dawsonville. One of Dr. Clark's associates comes. And uh, he said, have this event. I said, fine, I'll have it, but I'm not going to advertise it. (laughs) And I didn't. We did not promote it because I didn't want people to come <laughs> but this is what I found out you can spend a lot of money promoting an event but if people think that it's an exclusive secret event they all come it's like oh that backfired and they all came and so day one of the event it's kind of tamed no major stuff at this point Friday night Pastor Todd speaking in the Lord walked into the room starting in the back and came forward. And I knew that it was the Lord because I heard bodies start falling. Boom. 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 Thuds. We didn't know you were supposed to have catchers. 
thuds. Boom, 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 boom. Then screams. Ah! And then laughter. <laughs> and I wouldn't even turn around and look. I was like, oh no, oh no, oh no, it's happening. Because I'd been to Dawsonville, I'd been to some global events, and I told my wife, these people are crazy, and if God does this to our church, I'm quitting. <laughs> he was testing me. They start falling, and the whole room is consumed with the presence of God. Pastor Todd had enough sense and wisdom to say, the Lord is here. I will stop speaking. Let's get in the water. The first, the first person in the baptistry <laughs> manifested four demons. And they were on one of our teams, one of our leaders. I had elders start manifesting demons. I had staff members start manifesting demons. Lots of deliverance take place. And this is what I realized God told me in that moment. He said, it is the anointing that breaks the yoke. You've been trying to counsel demons out, and you can't counsel a demon out of somebody. You can't negotiate with a demon. It's the anointing. It's the power of God that sets people free. So what you're seeing firsthand is what's been taking you 20 years. I can do it in a second if you'll give me the room. So people start getting delivered. We saw a lot of deliverance. We saw healing. Uh, a, a lady comes forward. Did I tell the wheelchair one in this one, in this service? Did I say anything about a wheelchair? Okay. A lady comes forward in a wheelchair. They, we pick her out of the wheelchair. She's paralyzed from the waist down, been paralyzed for 10 years because of an automobile accident. Put her in the water, and she starts gaining feeling in her legs. Like she says, my legs feel like they've been asleep. They're tingling. And then she said, now they're hot. And then she said, now I feel my toes. And I said, this is good progress. <laughs> I said, do you feel like standing up? Yes, let's try it. She stands up in the pool. I walk her around circles in the pool. We had a big 14-foot pool. We're walking her around in the pool, and then she climbs out and walks out of the building. She left her wheelchair behind. Some of you are clapping. Some of you are looking at me like I got four eyes. I know. I was more shocked than anyone in the room. But these are some of the things that are now happening when we made the decision to go down river to bring everyone with us. We're seeing the fruit of being close to God. We're seeing it. We're seeing marriages stronger than they ever have before. We're seeing children strengthened in the Lord. I'm here to tell you that the, the devil is coming after your kids. And what they need is not a four-year education. What they need is not the perfect job. What they need is not the perfect marriage. What they need is more of God. If there's anything that you need to be offering your children, it's not more money, it's not more stuff, it's not opportunities that you never had. It's a walk with Jesus unlike you ever have. You teach your children to walk closely with God, you're going to be preparing them for the last days. In the last days, it's going to be dark. And guess what? When the devil comes up to your kids face-to-face, -face, a four-year degree will not help them. Knowing how to hit a hanging curveball, even though you spend hundreds of hours a season teaching them to throw, teaching them to pitch, teaching them to hit, teaching them to do activities. Do they even know the Beatitudes? Do you know the Beatitudes? Have you ever read the Sermon on the Mount? Have you ever read the teachings and the letters of Paul? Do your kids know what true success in life looks like, what a flourishing life looks like in Jesus Christ? 
there is more. Everybody say, there is more. more. All right, how can we get it? Let's go. Number one, first thing he asked me to do, he said, I need you to develop hunger. You need to get hungry. I said, what do you mean? He said, you're waiting on me to make you spiritually hungry, and that's not the way that I work. I'm waiting on you to get hungry. Do you want more? I said, yes. He said, develop hunger. So how do I get hungry? Well, in the natural, I get hungry by not eating. Most of us are getting to that point right now. Yes? You don't eat, you get hungry. In the kingdom, it's the opposite. The more I eat, the hungrier I get. So this is what he said. 2018, I want you to eat as much as you possibly can. I want you to read I want you to read about revival. I want you to read about the gifts. I want you to read about operating in the gifts. I want you to go places that you normally wouldn't go before. I want you to take road trips. I want you to feed yourself. I want you to listen to sermons. I want you to indulge indulge yourself with me. Do you know how you get bigger physically, fatter? Eat more calories than you burn. Does everybody know that? Okay. So if you want to get bigger spiritually, overeat. Eat more spiritual calories than you're burning and you will grow. Maybe that's inappropriate. I don't know. You're all looking like it. But it's the truth. You eat more than you burn, you're going to grow physically. You eat more in the spiritual, you will grow. You're going to grow. So I started driving to Dawsonville. I started going to these events. I started listening to stuff. I started consuming as much as I possibly could. And before you knew it, just within a few weeks, I was starving to death for more of God. I was reading old stuff like Spurgeon, Finney. Finney just lit me up. Like I read some of his stuff and I didn't even know if I was a Christian or not. Develop hunger so it starts there. Begin to saturate yourself. Turn off, turn off all the world and the junk. It's just excess. It's just garbage. You don't need it. What is two hours of Netflix actually accomplishing in your life? What is an hour of faith? If, if half of us prayed as much as we looked at Facebook and Instagram, we would have the prayer life of Finney. So get hungry for God. Fast the world, get hungry for God. Step one. The next thing he said is now create space for me. I know your life is busy. My life was busy. But this is what God told me. He said, I want three hours every morning in prayer. Lord, show me a scripture. (laughs) And he did. Jesus got up early in the morning when it was still dark and went to be alone with the Father. And not just one time, that was his pattern. He withdrew just to go be with the Lord. I said, Lord, three hours, that means I'm going to have to get up at like 3.30 or 4. That's early. He said, how hungry are you? Now, for me, that was a temporary assignment. He asked me to do that for one year. For one year, I got up every morning at 3 o'clock. Spent three hours. I'll never forget the first morning. I was so tired. You know how dark it is at 3.30 in the morning? Do you know how dark it is? Like, it's not just dark. There's still three hours of darkness left. 
It is the middle of the night. You know how weird it is, like getting a shower, getting your clothes on? I, I go to my office to spend time with the Lord because i got five kids. There's no silence, any, even in the middle of the night. So I, I go to the office in the middle of the night. I was so tired. So I just opened up my Bible. I began to read the Bible. I did not sense the Lord. I did not feel the Lord. I felt tired is what I felt. I said, oh, God, this is, oh, God, help me. Coffee can only do so much at that time of day. I said, well, let me, uh, let me start praying. Started praying in the spirit. Just didn't sense the Lord's presence. And then I just turned on my phone and sang one of the songs that meant a lot to me. And I didn't sing it with the person on the phone. I sang it to God. And when I began to sing, sing to him, the presence of the Lord stepped into the room. And we began to worship and to dialogue for what seemed like 20 minutes. But when I looked at my watch, it had been two hours and a half. Just spending time with the Lord in worship. I felt like I actually went to a heavenly place. Like, wow, that was cool. Next morning, I, I come to the office. What do you think the first thing I did was? I'm going to sing that song. He liked it yesterday. I'm going to sing it today. Wasn't the same. After about 10 minutes into it, I was trying to force it. I was trying to program the Lord. Trying to put the Lord into an equation. A plus B equals this heavenly encounter. Nope, not the same. Open the word, not the same. Began to pray in tongues. And it's like the spirit of God activated my soul, activated my mouth. I, was, I know for a fact I was praying for things that I didn't have knowledge of. And, and it went on for two and a half hours. Seemed like just a few minutes. Come back the next morning. Start praying in the spirit? No. Where's that song? <laughs> Sing that song? No. Open the word, and it's like the first time I ever read it. Revelation unlike I've ever received before. I just started writing. I probably took 20, 25 pages of notes just out of one passage of scripture. What was God teaching me? If you will make space for me, I will show you that I'm actually a person. I will show you the relationship component of this that will change your life. It is my most coveted time of the day. Like it is guarded. Nobody can have it. My time with God is our time. It's time that I spend with my Father in heaven. Come on, somebody. Some of us just need to make some space. We say that we're busy. Well, if you're really hungry, I just know this. I love to play golf. If somebody said, uh, hey, you want to play golf next week? No, I'm, I'm booked. Well, I wanted to take you to Augusta National. I just got free. <laughs> I don't know what I was doing, but it's now canceled. You will make time for the things you desire the most. Create space. Remove barriers. So now that I'm in a relationship, you know, closer relationship, he's revealing things to me. Now he begins to pick on me a little bit. He begins to expose some things. He's like, hey, listen, as long as these barriers that act as dams in a river are removed, the water can't flow and you can't go downriver. So there's some barriers I want you to remove. He showed me some theology that was bad that I needed to dismiss. He showed me some thinking that was incorrect. And he showed me some things in my life that he didn't approve of. He started picking on 
I don't watch a lot of TV. Me and Stevie will watch TV for maybe 30 minutes a night right after the kids go to bed just to spend some time with each other. We'll turn on something. And there was a sitcom that we were watching that I deemed to be like innocent, PG, maybe. And God said, I hate that show. I hate that show. I said, are you serious? You got all these people watching horrible things out there and you're going to take that little sitcom? And I said, why do you hate it? He said, you're being entertained by things my son had to die for. It's not showing sexual content, but they're all in immoral relationships, and it's funny. And you're laughing. If they're inappropriate jokes, you're, you're laughing at sin and immorality. You are being entertained by things Jesus had to die for. And if you want to go deeper, you got to cut that out. I was like, well, what can I watch? He said, not much. I mean, is that what our life has gotten to, what I can watch and what I can't watch? Like, is this one of the highest priorities and values of our life, entertainment? I mean, let's get real for just a minute. Do you think we're going to be watching Netflix in heaven? you think we're all going to gather up in movie theaters in heaven? I mean, seriously, do you, do you think that this is what we're going to be doing for all of eternity? For all of eternity, we are going to be worshiping the one who sits on the throne. And if there's things that are trying to rob you of that on this side, they need to go. Paul says we don't live, by, we don't live like the world. We don't watch the things that they watch. We don't listen to the things that they listen. And listen, I know this is tough to swallow, but I'm just telling you, if you want more, God will say, get rid of that. I just know for, from experience... He's going to ask you to remove things. He's going to ask you to fast things. He's going to ask you to begin to purge your life of everything that is not essential in order to have more of him. The question is, is he worth it? Is he worth it? You cannot, you cannot entertain sin and expect to grow in the Lord. You just can't. And I know sometimes we say, well, that sin is not that bad. Is any sin okay? Does, does anybody ever say, you know, I'm okay with just a little rat poison in my drink? Just a drop. Does anybody ever say, and I know this is a real topic, people are battling with this probably in the room, but does anybody ever say, I'm okay with just a few cancer cells in my body? Yeah, I'll take just a little cancer. Not much. Just a little bit. No, because you know the assignment of that cell is to destroy you. Do you know the assignment of sin is to kill, steal, and destroy you and to lead you in the opposite direction of God? And whenever you entertainment, you take the hand of sin and you allow yourself to be led away from the Lord. So he's going to start saying, hey, I need your mouth to get a little bit better. I need you to stop watching some of these things. I need to, listen, you're using alcohol as a coping mechanism and it's not okay. He's going to start saying things like that. And don't get offended. Don't get upset. Don't get mad. Just trust that he's good and he's got a better place for you to go. He's got a far better place for you to go. All right, last thing he told me to do was to capitalize on opportunities or take risk. He said, I need you, I need you to be the bold person of faith that you are in church, outside of church. I need you to start praying for people out here. He said, Matt, when you go to India, you'll witness to 200, 300 people in one of the most persecuted nations in the country and not even think about fear, not even think about consequences. You're so bold there. 
But when your foot steps soil in America, evangelism mat goes silent. He said, that's got to change. You can't just minister to people at church. You've got to minister to people outside of church. If you want to grow, get this. I give more to those who steward well what they have. The opportunities. So pray for people. Share the gospel with people. Be the light of Jesus with people. If you'll do these four things, if you'll develop hunger, if you'll create space, if you'll remove barriers, if you'll capitalize on opportunities, you will experience more of God. Can I hear a good amen? Amen. Amen. I want you to stand up. I'm going to pray for you. In a moment, you'll have a time of ministry, but I just want to pray a blessing, really of just one thing in this moment. And it's just a, a prayer that leads you in repentance. And when I say repentance, I'm just going to ask God to help us change our mind. Is that okay? God, will you change our, my, our, my we, I give you permission. Even, I, I, God, I, right now, I give you permission to change my mind about my schedule, to change my mind about my parenting, to change my mind about my family, to change my mind about what true success in life is and what it's not. Will you change my perspective? Because if your perspective does not change, your pursuit will not change. Change of perspective results in change of pursuit. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.